There are some very terrifying and creepy facts about suspected killer Brian Koberger in the murders of the four Idaho students. Brian was arrested on Friday, December 30th. There had been 19,000 tips up to that point. He was charged with four counts of murder and also felony burglary with the intent to kill. Brian has an associate degree in psychology from Northampton Community College, and it was noted that he was on the dean's list. He has a bachelor's and master's in criminal justice from DeSales University, and he was pursuing a PhD in criminology at Washington State University, which is just under 10 miles away from where these students were living. He completed the entire first semester, which was after the murders. And reports are saying that he was also a teacher's assistant for the university. Now, before we get into these creepy facts, the murder weapon is yet to be located. And also, as most of you are aware, a Hyundai Elantra, a white Hyundai Elantra, has been confiscated and said to have been Brian's. Now, let's get into it. Number one, his behavior was different after the murders. It was said by a classmate that Brian was actually more animated after. And profilers actually warned of this and I talked about it in previous videos. It says, after the murders, he was more animated and more in better spirits or good spirits in the classroom. Brian was not known to be like this. The classmate said Brian seemed more upbeat and willing to carry a conversation. This classmate said that Brian was typically more quiet and had an intense demeanor and would make people around him feel uncomfortable. This is a common theme with Brian. The classmate said he sort of creeped people out because he stared and didn't talk much, but when he did, it was very intelligent and he needed everyone to know he was smart. He says, we took classes together this past semester. We didn't work on any project together, but we spent an extensive time together because our courses were very long. He even said that Brian was odd from the beginning, but people just thought it was because he was awkward. About the murders, the classmate says, I am in complete shock over this murder because he continued to attend classes and continued on like nothing had happened. I still can't wrap my head around it. He did attend class up until the end of the semester and seemed more upbeat. Honestly, when discussed in class, Brian did not mention or contribute to the conversation of the murders. We were released from class early after the murders to get home when it was still light out and Brian was in those classes with us. I've heard, I think uh, it was on Nancy Grace that they were also talking about how this was a topic of discussion, these murders in class, and that Brian didn't participate when typically he would have something to say. I did a live stream just a few days ago and I had talked and wondered, I said, you know, it, I wouldn't be surprised if Brian actually was online and, you know, discussing this with other people. And from what I'm reading today, that's, that's what seems to be the case. I have yet to see the proof of that, but if you have some examples or you know where I can find that, just let me know please in the comments below or email me at itsacrimeandashame at gmail.com. Now, another interesting thing is I mentioned earlier in this video that he was a teacher's assistant. Well, Brian graded differently before the murders and then different after. According to a student, they said that Brian avoided eye contact with them and said he also harshly graded them and left extensive notes on their papers. It was said that everybody complained about this, yet after the murders, he seemed to chill out on the extreme grading and didn't leave notes um, on their papers at all. He was also described as quiet and awkward and on his own. There were other odd behaviors in class. He was said to be 
overly intrigued by his studies in criminology and he would come off as combative and off-putting. One girl was having a discussion with him. It was a heated discussion, it was said, and it was about a criminology concept, which is something that I'd love to know what that actually was. He was accused of mansplaining to the girl and she got so upset, she left the class and left her belongings in there as well. And the other thing that I read today was that he had made some remarks about, you know, anti-LGBTQ stances. Now, according to a neighbor in his building, it was said that Brian seemed like he never slept. There were complaints. This neighbor said Brian was normally a very late night person going to the bathroom and vacuuming at 1 or 12 in the morning. This neighbor says, I have kids, so sometimes I thought of speaking to him or complaining, but never did. It seemed like he never slept because he was always doing something all night, which is interesting. If you're a student, you'd think he would be, you know, going to bed, I mean, fairly early. I mean, they are young, but this guy is 28. He just turned 28 just a couple weeks after the murders or not even just like nine or 10 days. And another thing the neighbor said, they thought it was weird because usually in this housing unit that it's usually reserved for families. They said at first he moved in by himself and we thought his family would come later, but he lived there alone. And they also made a remark that he doesn't look tough enough to be a killer, but what does a killer look like, right? Other than the crazy black eyes that we see. They said, I don't know how he could have killed people because he doesn't look that tough. We are all PhD students here, so it takes a lot of hard work and smarts to get to this point. You don't think someone like that could do something like this. The next creepy thing was that there was a survey done. I did mention it in my live stream, but Brian had asked about research participation needed, and there was some really weird questions uh, following this little statement. He said, hello, my name is Brian and I'm inviting you to participate in a research project that seeks to understand how emotions and psychological traits influence decision making when committing a crime. In particular, this study seeks to understand the story behind your most recent criminal offense with an emphasis on your thoughts and feelings throughout your experience. In the event that your most recent offense was not one that led to a conviction, you may still participate. Additional surveys are included after the open-ended section as to best understand your unique traits. The study should take about 15 to 20 minutes to fully complete. In this, there was, I believe, eight questions. He asked, why did you choose that victim or target over others? Before making your move, how did you approach the victim or target? Please detail what you were thinking and feeling. And this is throughout his questions was, please detail what you were thinking and feeling. After committing the crime, what were you thinking and feeling? How was your life right before the crime occurred? Did you prepare for the crime before leaving your home? What was the first goal you made in order to accomplish your goal? Did you commit the crime alone, yes or no? And if not, how many people were involved? And this is interesting because he had asked, it was said he was asked when he got arrested, was anybody else arrested? So that's interesting. I don't think that's out of fear, in my opinion. He says, after arriving, what steps did you take prior to locating the victim or target, i.e. person or object? Please detail your thoughts and feelings. How did you accomplish your goal? And before leaving, is there anything else you did? How did you leave the scene? I am curious to know how many people actually participated in that survey and what their answers were and 
how it's different from what he allegedly did. Now, a criminal profiler was actually talking about Brian and about the situation of the study. And he says, I suspect that Koberger was well aware of his dark nature and homicidal ideation and endeavored to discover more about himself through his studies. About the survey, he says, the questions in Koberger's survey of criminal offenders seemed focused on crowdsourcing the best ways to plan for and get away with crime. It certainly does. I said this in my live stream as well. Well, that it almost feels like it's like how to get away with murder, right? And this criminal profiler says, this line of questioning hints at an unsophisticated offender who was not confident in his own abilities. And I guess, in my opinion, the best way to do that is research. I mean, that's what they're known to do anyways. In school, they're doing research and they're doing, you know, all these papers and stuff. So, hey, easiest way to find out, I guess, in my opinion. Next, Brian was said to have stalked the girls weeks leading up. There was reports of cell phone pings, and it was said that Brian would be ending up the same area as what Maddie and Kaylee and Zana and Ethan would be. And it was said matched several times to the locations. This was said by somebody who was friends with one of the authorities who was working the case. There was a quote that said, not sure if they ever interacted, but his cell phone pings followed their every move for weeks. And I had an email, which I'm very grateful for. Thank you so much to those who has sent me emails. I really appreciate it. It's very, very helpful. There were Instagram shots that I received that showed Brian was following Zana, Kaylee, and Maddie, and we don't know about Ethan because it was private. Now the next interesting and creepy thing was he had his car serviced and his dad came out to drive with him back. Now it's said that Brian's dad flew out from Pennsylvania to go pick him up and then they drove their vehicle back and they were pulled over twice. It also said, and I guess we'll wait to find out confirmation, but it was said that the dad actually had planned this long before that he would come out and then drive with Brian back. Interesting, his white Elantra, from my understanding, he never called that one in, that he drives it, even though there was a lot of pleas for that. We'll hear about that in court, I'm sure. It says about the servicing of the vehicle, the father and son apparently got the car serviced on December 16th, CNN reported, but that shouldn't prevent the FBI from being able to find trace evidence like hairs or fibers and bloodstains, which can be uncovered with. And if they're looking for the Hyundai Elantra, and that was the car that was used in you know, involved in the killings and he went and allegedly went into the car and drove off, he's going to have some stuff in that vehicle. So can't wait to get the probable cause document. Can you let me know below? Next, this was a red flag from previous. It was said that Brian would harass women at the bar, staff included. According to a bar owner in Pennsylvania, he said Brian would harass the female staff and other females at the bar. He'd often come into the bar alone and observe and watch. And the staff said that he would have two or three beer and then get a little uncomfortable around others. The bar owner ended up approaching him and saying, hey, you know, 
hopefully this behavior doesn't continue, but Brian says, you know, what are you talking about? And denied his behavior and then never came back again. But the owner said, I went up to him and said, hey, Brian, welcome back. We appreciate you coming back. I just want to talk to you real quick and make sure that you're going to be respectful this time and we're not going to have any issues. He said that that's when Brian was taken aback. He said he was shocked that I was saying that. And he said, I don't know what you're talking about. You totally have me confused. He said that Brian had one beer and left and never came back to this brewery. It was also said that Brian would ask the women who they were and where they lived. Now, it was said that the bar flagged Brian in their system. This is where the staff could read notes about the patron once they did you know, their ID. They said that the note said, hey, this guy makes creepy comments, keep an eye on him, he'll have two or three beers, and then just get a little too comfortable. It was also said that he made advances to one of the staff and called him a biatch, basically because she didn't reciprocate what he wanted. Next, he actually wore gloves after the murders and was wearing them for quite some time. He was seen at a grocery store, obviously trying to avoid, you know, a trail of evidence. And the person who's reporting about this, that he wore gloves, said he's not stupid and has been very careful, but not too careful if he's caught. So he was supposedly at a supermarket and wearing these gloves. Would love to know where else he was wearing these. Next, he actually studied under a well-known forensic psychologist. And she's also an author. Her name is Catherine Ramsland. She's the author of How to Catch a Killer, The Mind of a Murderer, The Human Predator, a historical chronicle of serial murder and forensic investigation. And one of the courses that he took that she taught was called uh, Psychology of Death Investigations. So very interesting. Brian Entid did a tweet on this and said, world-renowned forensic psychology professor and serial killer expert, Dr. Catherine Ramsland reportedly taught Brian Koberger at DeSales University in Pennsylvania. She told me she can't make media statements about him at this time. One of the students in this criminology class said that Brian would often interrupt Professor Ramsland and said as if he knew more about the subject matter than her. And this Dr. Catherine Ramsland also worked on the BTK autobiography and there's a lot of chitter chatter around that. And so it's going to be interesting if there's some connections to both. Maybe he studied this or got a thrill from it or whatever. Stay tuned. The daughter of the BTK killer said that she thinks that Brian's studies may have led him to make contact with her father. She said, I have ongoing concerns knowing how common it is for criminology students, true crime fans, and others to correspond regularly with my father, that Koberger could have been in contact with my father at some point, but require proof of this which currently I do not know of. She said, I literally got physically ill knowing that there was now a connection back to Ramsland and she connects to my father. It was just a lot. Obviously, we know he studied my father in criminology classes. He probably studied him heavier since he had Ramsland as a professor, but we need to find out if there's a deeper connection. Super interesting. What do you think? Let me know in the comments below. Now, another professor at the DeSales University was talking about Dr. Catherine Ramsland and said she's in absolute shock after hearing what her former student has been accused of. He's a brilliant student. She says, I'm shocked at what he's been accused of. I don't believe it, but I get it. Then also another student said he had a particular interest in crime scenes and serial killers. She said, at the time, it seemed as if he was just a curious student. So if his questions felt odd, we didn't think much of it because it fit our curriculum. Now about his past, it was said that he was aggressive in high school. There were people who said he would become aggressive when referred to as overweight 
One person said his personality changed as a teen, becoming more violent and more confrontational. One of the friends said that his personality shifted dramatically and abruptly one summer, going from an overweight and down-to-earth high school junior to an aggressive senior who had become thinner than a rail. He also said that Brian took up boxing and was always looking for a fight. He says he always wanted to fight somebody who was bullying people. We started cutting him off from our friend group because he was 100% a different person. It was also mentioned that he had done heroin in high school. There was a little bit about that. And then there was a running partner from 10 years ago and he said that they were close around that 10 year ago mark and they would go running. And he said that they had many, many positive conversations. He described Brian as being uplifting and often talked about wanting to get in shape. He said there was nothing really concerning about his behavior. But he said, um, I would text him and be like, hey, you wanna go for a run? We'd go for six or seven mile runs at night. So when I saw who it was, I was just like in complete shock. It was close to home. Now let's get to the family and what they said. Steve Gonsalves, Kaylee's dad, said, we are on a path to justice. When Steve first saw Brian's picture, he said he saw a broken soul, pitiful human being. He said, the little coward that had finally got caught running. I still think everyone's innocent until proven guilty, so I put that in the back of my mind. That's kind of hard, isn't it? You have to think to yourself, yeah, innocent until proven guilty, but yet you have all these emotions because your baby girl is gone. And this guy allegedly was responsible. And side note, the chief is actually quite confident that they have their guy. Steve also said that no one in the family recognizes Brian, but he said also that they're starting to see connections between him and Kaylee that aren't ready to dis be discussed yet. The family's attorney said, now that there's a person in a name that someone can specifically look for and see if there's any connections in any way, so they're just trying to figure it out. Steve says, this guy's gonna have to look me in the eyes multiple times and I'm going to be looking for the truth. That's really what I'm going to be looking for. Kaylee's grandma said that the family's relieved by this arrest. She said, this is what we wanted. I also read a statement from Ethan's family that said, we are relieved this chapter is over because it provides a form of closure. However, it doesn't alter the outcome or alleviate the pain. We miss Ethan and our family is forever changed. Now, according to reports, Brian cannot afford a private attorney. So there's one appointed to him and the public defender says that he intends to waive his extradition hearing and the public defender said he should be presumed innocent until proven otherwise not tried in the court of public opinion mr koberger is eager to be exonerated of these charges and looks forward to resolving these matters as promptly as possible and reports are also saying that he's planning on pleading not guilty and side note idaho does have the death penalty so we'll see about that being on the table. And there were reports that his mother way back in 2008 made a statement about abortion and also about the death penalty and said, I pray we consider the children before the gun. I do not personally support abortion and by all means do not support the death penalty. This is gonna be a little close to home. State sanctified murder is still just that murder, she said. Now there was a statement from the university and that's from the Washington State University and they said they are aggrieved by Brian's actions. It says the Department of Criminal Justice and Criminology at Washington State University is aggrieved by the alleged horrendous acts of one of its graduate students. We are relieved that justice will be carried out. Our hearts are with the victim's family. It's also said that the department removed the list of graduate students from the website which 